Welcome to the Coog Center Podcast, and here's your host. 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Holy cow. Oh, my God. Auburn wins. Auburn has won the Iron Bowl. Auburn has won the Iron Bowl in the most unbelievable fashion you will ever see. I cannot believe it. 34-28. Michael Preston. Just talking with uh, Brian Anderson off the air, and a uh, big, big thank you to head coach Steve Nugent for joining us here at the center. He's a very busy man this week, and uh, we were glad he was able to make some time for us. Uh, Brian Anderson pointed out to me that uh, we hear that clip just about every show we do. I was having a problem uploading audio tonight, and I figured, you know what? It's still my favorite call of any single play in football ever, and I, I want to hear it again because the play was just absolutely outrageous. The call was outrageous, and it was Auburn getting so unbelievably lucky to get to the national championship last year. There's just nothing quite like a football game in the South, is there, Brian? Uh, no, <laughs> no, there's nothing like getting a homework call from, you know, the Southern, uh, the Southern like radio broadcast there at home. Maybe that's, that's something else. Auburn's going to win the ball game. Oh my God. Uh, well, Washington state won a football game on Saturday. I think to the surprise of some, uh, including me, I didn't think they'd win that game. I believe you did in our weekly fix call for WSU to win the game. Uh, but Luke Falk, as I said earlier, I thought he would look good. Did he exceed your expectations on Saturday? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he exceeded the coach's expectations. I don't think any of us were thinking that we were going to get that kind of a performance out of a redshirt freshman. Um, you know, I pick the Cougs every week, so I can't really take a ton of credit. So. <laughs> Um, what just the dimes he was dropping, the dimes he was dropping on may, I, I thought the prettiest pass was to Maley. We talked about this last night. Uh, you said, uh, or maybe it was Sunday night, uh, Galvin, that pass to the boundary with him. I think the kind of one, a one B they were just ridiculous. Should we ever see a throw like that from a freshman quarterback, a redshirt freshman quarterback to make those kind of throws? It's just ridiculous. Well, I'm, we should hope so. I mean, uh, <laughs> you're going to get some really high, yeah, you're going to get some really high caliber quarterbacks that come in here and play for Mike Leach. I mean, that's one of his draws. So you're going to get guys that are capable of throws like that. But yeah, that that uh, Brian Floyd and I went back and forth um, throughout the game, like just kind of G chat style. And I think that post will go up here in the next couple of days or something. And we kind of talked about it a little bit uh, in that as it was going on, but that the throw to melee that you like, uh, I, the throw was was great, but what was really great was the execution. Like that's the part where that play stands out. I mean, he he had just been kind of in rhythm, really methodical, just really in control of what was going on. And then right when Oregon State is just kind of 
you know, playing grab ass in the middle of the field, not really paying attention. They hurry up and quick count them. And, you yeah. know, melee beats his guy, makes a perfect throw, touchdown. You know, and the the throw to Galvin is uh, – it's impressive on a couple levels. Like, one, when you have that the out on the inside by the inside receiver and the vertical by the outside receiver, that out um, – practically any out in the air raid system, it, it's not defined. You know, it's not take four steps and then cut straight to the boundary or take five steps and cut out or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. you run the grass, right? So you go to the open grass. And as a quarterback, you got to throw him to the open grass. And he just executed that just flawlessly. And, then, I mean, the touch on it, and that's probably one of the most difficult throws you can make on a football field. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other ones I saw, I think it was in the middle of the second quarter, right? Um, the touchdown drive before uh, Maley's touchdown was that deft little touch he had on that ball to Baker, who I think had slipped behind the linebacker. So he's in between the backer and the safety. And Falk just yeah. put just the right amount of touch on it, and it dropped right into his hands. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the white cross. So, that I mean, Craig Kraft is – has made his hay this season on that thing on third down. Um, most of the air raid will run, if you're a quarterback looking at the offense, it'll run left to right. That's how most of the most of the offense will flow that way. And uh, Y cross gets right to left, coming back the other way with uh, the inside receiver on the right side, normally Craycraft. This week it was Tyler Baker. Flipping him behind the backers and then either continuing out towards the boundary or sitting, you know, kind of depending on – whether it was zone or man coverage or where the holes are and everything. And, you know, we we talked about being able to read the defense and all that sort of stuff, but, I mean, these receivers are doing it too, and Baker was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he sat in holes, he found those openings, and, you know, him and Falk had that nice rapport there really early and pretty much throughout the entire game. Well, emphasize for folks who may not know how important repetition is in this offense because I believe Baker and Falk, uh, Falk's a former walk-on. He does have a scholarship now. Baker is a walk-on. Uh, I'm sure he may be in line uh, for a scholarship next season. But those guys work together a lot in practice. How important are those repetitions, A, in any in any offense, but B, especially in this offense where so much of it is about how precisely you do things? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you you're only going to get precision through repetition. You know, that, like there's you can't shortcut that. That's the only way you're going to learn it. And uh, with this offense, so much of it is uh, you got to be on the same page with the receiver. You know, it, it's not defined. Like routes aren't mm-hmm. strict. You know, these are my steps. This is when I get the ball out as a quarterback. You know, and I take three steps back and I read the safety and then I throw it here. You know, it's not that. It's it's a lot of read and react and a lot of feeling out, and it's very fluid and very adaptive. And, um, you know, if you're working extra at practice and everything, you know, like Melee and, and Connor, you know, were said to be doing the same sort of stuff, being after, throwing a bunch. And Craycraft, too. I, I mean, you, you hear stories about him being the last guy on the practice field all the time. So, you know, the, the reps are <laughs> – I mean, it's hard to say how important they are because they are the most important thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brian Anderson joining us here on the Coog Center Hour. Uh, we're talking a little bit about Luke Falk and 
We'll talk about the defense uh, in a little bit as well. I want to get the uh, Vince Maley, though, made a lot of really good plays on uh, Saturday. I think the offensive line got out there on a lot of really good screens really well, I thought, too. But Vince Maley seems to have a case of the dropsies here lately. And I don't know what it is or what it could be. Is there any one specific thing you've seen him doing or not doing that's causing this? Or is this just kind of an inexplicable case where he's just got to kind of power through the fact that he's just not catching the football very well right now? Yeah, I I don't think you can point to any one thing or another. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to be able to say that it was because a different guy's throwing the ball, you know, so maybe that kind of changed up. Connor is going to throw it in there a lot harder than Luke Falk is. So maybe just that slight adjustment is kind of off or something. But, I mean, he mm-hmm. kind of had these issues a little bit even when uh, Halliday wasn't injured and back there throwing the ball. I, I don't know. He's – He's gotten hit pretty hard. <laughs> like uh, a couple yeah. of those post patterns, he's gotten rocked. So maybe that some of that's in the back of his mind because um, a lot of those kind of dropsy sort of things have been on, you know, like curls or hitches or something like that where there's mm-hmm. a good chance of somebody on the inside flying at him. But I, I don't I don't think it's a huge deal. It's just, you know, not good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not, not yeah. Generally, when you're dropping passes that are right in your hands, that's typically not a very good thing to have happen. I would agree with that. Uh, defensively, uh, you know, you look at Oregon State; they put up 32 points. And I rewatched uh, that uh, Pac-12 Network does this football in 60 thing, where they basically just cut out all the extraneous crap of a football game and they oh, compact it into 60 minutes. Which is, it's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, greatest thing on watching. TV. Yeah, no kidding. I really, Pac-12 Network. You you nailed that. Uh, that first drive, very methodical down the field, including that bomb to Dockery, which they drew up just for him. Uh, you got but it on the drive, yeah, no kidding. After the second, after the missed field goal, Oregon State was driving again, and they were going to score again. And the defense stood up and stopped them and held them to a field goal. They did that a few times in this game. After that, did you see anything mm-hmm. from them? that was different from the USC game about how much better they were playing. They got to the, they got to Mannion a few times as well, but what were you seeing uh, that they were doing better on Saturday than the previous weeks? Uh, linebacker play. Oh, it's, it's yeah. that front seven. I mean, when the, when the front seven shows up, that defense is an entirely different animal. I mean, they, they were effective against Oregon state, which I mean, granted Beavers aren't that great, but they're still a capable team. They aren't right. awful, you know, but it, it shut down Oregon too. And, uh, you know, the, the common threat through all that was when the front seven shows up, they're able to do some stuff. You know, the pressure mm-hmm. is one thing, the linebackers though too, uh, back in coverage, you know, that was kind of the big change from the first few series to later in the game. The backers are just a lot more stout in coverage. They're able to make their keys on play action um, they'd gotten burnt with that pretty bad in the beginning of the game. So they're able to make their keys on play back, play action, get into coverage, get into, get into passing lanes and kind of, you know, be a lot more disruptive. They weren't able to do very much of anything against USC. <laughs> no, they were not. Uh, these last two games, I think I'm kind of looking at ASU. That's just kind of a, let's go down to Tempe and let's come home and let's not get anybody hurt type of game. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't, want to be in that position 
three years into Mike Leach, but ASU is just such a good football team, and they are the number six team in the country. Uh, coming back for the Apple Cup, though, looking at this defense, that UW offense just does not scare anybody. Doesn't scare a soul. Can hmm. that defensive line have that same performance against Washington where they get into the backfield pretty easily? I'm not too too concerned about what their offense can do, except that if you give any quarterback time, they can throw on anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I well, first of all, WSU last year went down to Auburn, who ended up being the number two team in the nation and gave them hell. So yeah. going down to Tempe, you got nothing to lose. There's no bowl game on the line. You know, why not throw everything you got at the number six team and see if you can, you know, make a dent. So I yeah. I'm not I'm not like projecting a win or anything crazy like that, but you know <laughs> you know, ASU, a little more competitive. A, 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 you're gonna have to outscore them. ASU's offense is going to put up a ton of points. You're going to have to outscore them. And their defense, you know, really isn't all that great. Uh, that game against Notre Dame, that was more Everett Golson just having a terrible day than anything else that ASU was doing. I mean, their defense fell apart. It was just a it was a tire fire for the entire second half. You know, so it, the defense, I'm not that intimidated by their defense. Their offense, you're going to have to outscore. So, mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> – Good luck, Luke Falk. Let's see you do it two weeks in a row. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you dub. So, no, I, I don't think anyone's intimidated or scared or put off by UW's offense. Um, the only thing the only thing offensively that they have that's, you know, remotely concerning is Shaq Thompson when he's a running back and John Ross on the yeah. outside if Skyler Miles has any kind of time. You know, Ross is probably the fastest guy on any field he steps on. You know, he, he's mm-hmm. just insane, you know, 4-3 type of kid. And Shaq Thompson is, you know, somehow just invincible. I, I don't really get it. He's just having an amazing No, game. yeah, I, I don't if either, that, yeah. If that, team, if that team was any good, he would probably be getting Heisman talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might be. But unfortunately, much like Connor Halliday, he's surrounded by – a bunch of guys who have won the football games they should win and lost all the football games they should have lost this year. And quite frankly, when you play an on-conference schedule where combined so far this year, your FBS opponents are 7-22, and 22, uh, not a really good Alex. watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's not very I good. I didn't know it was uh, that bad. Last, That's really bad. Yeah, no. Uh, well, they played, who was it? It was Georgia State, because Georgia Southern is actually the, good, the really good team. They played Georgia State, Illinois, and Hawaii were their FBS non-conference schedule opponents. And Illinois is awful. Hawaii hasn't been winning. Georgia State won one game this year. That was their first FBS win. So, yeah, no, that was a joke of a non-conference schedule. Uh, One final question for our good buddy Brian Anderson before we let him go tonight. Um, Did you see this coming with him, with Luke Falk? I mean, you know, after the USC game, I think we kind of, Kind of looked at him and went, yeah, okay, this could be okay. But did anybody see uh, basically what would have been 500 yards, if not for a few really bad drops and five touchdowns on Saturday against the second-best passing defense in the conference? No, I, I'd be lying if I said that I saw that kind of performance. I mean, that was a Pac-12 Player of the Week type of performance. You can't, you can't just, you know, see three quarters against USC that were mediocre and then say like, oh, this is going to happen. That that, yeah. that was. 
that was lights out. I mean, he it what'll be interesting to see going forward is um you know, he played so calm, cool, collected, you know, he gets the cool hand Luke and all those other sort of nicknames and it was very methodical and very, you know, just deliberate and is that is that his you know, average? Is that what we're gonna see day in and day out from him? Or mm-hmm. was that just like the peak of what we can expect? You know, and so that's that's the thing when you get a new guy out there and you get a game like that. You know, now, uh, you know, Mark is already Mark Mark's already fallen hook line and sinker. He he likes Falk, you know, and uh, he he wrote he's, he's just he's he's, you know, he's just a boy in love, Brian. That's 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 he's he's just very very in love, and I can't blame him for falling hard for Luke Falk. Oh no, neither neither can I, man. Neither can I. No, he's yeah. all, he's all in early. Uh, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, is, is that his ceiling? Is that kind of where he's at plateau-wise? Is that, you know, are we going to get a consistent performance like that every single week? <laughs> you know, like what, mm-hmm. what type of player are you going to end up being over the long run? So that's that's yep. pretty exciting. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just it, – I think everybody should pump the brakes a little bit. Um, and – I think uh, Jeff Nusser said it best uh, before this game, actually, when he said, you know, this, this is a chance to prove himself, but it's not a chance to win the position. And yeah. um, despite all of the, the great things that he did on Saturday, you know, he he still hasn't just won this position going forward for the next three years because there's some really, really talented kids behind him. You know, Peyton yep. Bender, for the most part of this year, if you kind of read uh, – Jacob Thorpe's practice reports every week, and um, you kind of pay attention to that stuff. It sounded like Bender was outperforming him, you know, in spurts. Like they'd kind of go back and forth on who was having a better week, you know. And, and, mm-hmm. and Bender's Bender's an extremely talented kid. So, you know, I I think what Falk's doing is great. I think it's like way above what anybody could have possibly expected. But I also think that you know he's going to be in an intense battle for the starting spot after this year, kind of regardless how the other uh, remaining two games play out. Kind of nice, though, that looking at a guy with Luke Falk, if he continues to perform near this level for the rest of the year, that there might be somebody back there who's even better than him. That's kind of a nice problem to have, I think, isn't it? Uh, yeah, there's definitely worse There's worse problems in the world than having two very competent quarterbacks. You like what happened from 2008 to 2012? Yeah, there's there's much bigger problems to have. Brian I'm Anderson, as always. Out. Yeah, I what I don't remember that either. Uh, <laughs> you can read his stuff at cookcenter.com. He's always a very he's a very very smart man, and you should always always listen to him. When we come back, I'm going to give you the dunderhead of the week and ask Michael anything. Big question about taking uh, your phone into the restroom with you. I will answer that when we come back here on the Cook Center Hour.
fight for Washington State, win the victory. Win the day for crimson and gray, best in the West. Best I know you'll all do your best, best. So on, 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 fight till the end. Honor and glory, you must win. So fight, fight, fight for Washington State and victory. I love John Candy. Back here on the Cook Center Hour. Big thank you to Brian Anderson for joining us here. Thunderhead of the Week, and it goes out to the Frito-Lay or Pepsi Company, who owns Frito-Lays, who owns Doritos, who owns Mountain Dew, and they have made Doritos. They are testing Mountain Dew-flavored Doritos. This is where we come to that philosophical question. This is not a matter of if you could. They didn't even consider if they should before they did it. Mountain Dew flavored Doritos. I enjoy Mountain Dew. I enjoy Doritos. I do not enjoy the same taste together or the thought that there would be the Doritos powder in my soda. I do not want that. College students probably do want that, but I do not want that. Oh, baby. Abrupt change. Ask Michael anything. Ask Kyle Rancourt. My brother says it's gross, but I take my phone with me when I Paul Wolf a bathroom. Is that weird? No! Everybody nowadays, when they use the restroom for an extended period of time, Takes their phone with them. I, I I legitimately don't know a single person who doesn't do that. Pass the time somehow. Mr. Tommy G-Man, what would be the bigger perk for you, so me, to having Harbaugh at the University of Michigan, getting him out of San Francisco, or him replacing Hoke? It would probably be getting out of San Francisco. Because Lord knows Jim Harbaugh probably wouldn't stay at Michigan for too terribly long, I would think. At Donnie Out West, are you talking about the Knolls? No, I'm not. I am not talking about the Knolls, and I feel fantastic about that. I love that I'm not talking about the Knolls. Bye week this week, but big, big, big soccer game on Friday afternoon in Pullman. Get your butts to the lower soccer field if you're in town. I don't care if it's cold and snowing. Go support this team. Fourth straight postseason. For the WSU women's soccer team, take it on the Seattle Redhawks. 5 o'clock on Friday. We will see you next week. We'll chat a little bit about ASU. In the meantime, have yourself a great week and enjoy a stress-free Saturday of college football. <laughs>